0: Oh, Father, how we love your word and the opportunity to study it. Now bless us as we continue our study here in Exodus. In Jesus' name, Amen. Exodus 11. We are one chapter away from Passover. Verse 1. Yahweh said to Moses, I will. I went through this thing. Yeah, it shows up red. The sovereign purpose, sovereign word of God. I will. Nothing is going to stop this. I will bring one more plague upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go from here. When he lets you out, he will surely altogether drive you out. I have that. It. it shows up a little bit. It's an interesting, it's a very forceful Hebrew phrase. Nothing, there's nothing this time. Pharaoh is not going to be permitted to change his mind. I put it that way. When he lets you out, he will surely altogether drive you out. What the the Lord is saying to Moses, there won't be any reservation. I'm going to see to it. There's not going to be any reservation on Pharaoh's part. Pharaoh's kind of played a game with him up to this point, you know. Sure, you do this and I'll let you go. Well, changed my mind. Hardened his heart four times. Well, this is the fourth time in this passage he will have hardened his heart. So here is the plan and purpose of Yahweh. I will bring one more plague and I'll bring it to 10. Afterwards, he will let you go, not just that, but He's going to altogether drive you. He's going to see to it that you, you, you're not going to have any question. Plus, it kind of reminds me of Lot in Sodom. You know, the, the angel said, Man, we can't do nothing until you're out of here. So, that, you know, that was God's purpose. This is mine. You can't, the judgment of God doesn't fall on His own. In this case, if you look at it, I suppose there may have been even some Hebrews, some Israelites, who might have been dragged out kicking and screaming. I don't know. I know they. it doesn't take them long to wish they back. back. Um, but this is the purpose of God. It doesn't matter. He's not gonna turn them loose. He will surely altogether drive you out of here. Now speak into the ears of the people and let them borrow each man from his friend and each woman from her friend silver vessels and golden vessels. Okay, so the Israelites had Egyptian friends. Uh, You know, they, they, they might go to the chariot races on Friday night or something. I don't know. But they had friends. Obviously... Their friends were the the haves and the Israelites were the half knights. Borrow all of them, silver vessels and golden vessels. All right, so here's what happens. How am I going to go up to an Egyptian and borrow his nice stuff? Here's why. Verse 3. Yahweh gave the people favor. Now that word... uh, it's a hyphenated word. I'm sorry, it's not a hyphenated word. It's gadol. Gadol. On down there. Uh, gadol. Um, uh, uh, well, it leads to gadol. Hen is the word, Hen, which leads to gadol. Here's what I mean by that God gives grace or God gives favor, God causes acceptance and charm. It's like love potion number nine. Uh, They wanted to kiss every Hebrew in sight. Well here, while you're taking this, why don't you take this too? If you're going to need that, you're going to need all this other stuff. That's, That's how it happened. That's because God made it happen. Yahweh gave the people favor in the Egyptians' eyes, charm or grace. So this is how verse two happens. Verse two happens because of what Yahweh did in verse 3. The whole thing is in the hand of God. Also the man Moses was great or highly esteemed. So that leads to Gadol. Chen is grace, etchen or charm or acceptance. But that culminates in the one who is leading these people and if they became If they became acceptable and favorable, then Moses, who's bringing all this about, he's not hen, he's gadol, he's, he's great. Moses was great in the land of Egypt, in the eyes of Pharaoh's servants and in the eyes of the people. Now think about that. He's, he's brought all kinds of problems to him. By, well, Yahweh has done it, but by the by the word and ministry of uh, Moses. And yet, God has the power to overrule what we would think of as the natural feelings of these people, and cause them to see Moses as a great man. And now, let me let me let me carry that forward to the time of the tribulation. The two witnesses. The two witnesses minister the first three and a half years. So what you have is you have the seven seals and stuff. And so a seal is broken and then right after the seal is broken, some sort of judgment falls on the whole world. And this goes on this. The two witnesses empowered by God are protected by God and they can't be harmed until they're done with what God raised them up to do. And then they're killed, they're slain by the antichrist. But what happens is the whole world hates them. They're doing like Moses did in the sense that they're they're they're, they're prophesying, they're predicting what's about to happen and it's easy to do because it's in the Bible. All they have to do is read the Bible. Well, this has happened, and now this is going to happen. Repent, repent. The Bible keeps saying they would not repent. So here comes the judgment. But you can see the great, mighty power of God in the tribulation. Uh, he's, he's causing and forcing the issue of the great separation of in judgment. This whole thing in the tribulation is a thing that it, it, it's judgment. It's just part of God's judgment. But it's interesting how Moses does something similar, not nearly at the level of what happens in the tribulation. But God causes the people to esteem him greatly. Uh, in the eyes of Pharaoh's servants, these are Egyptians. So man, they got something else. He, he is really, I mean, he's, he's brought all this trouble and strife to them. And God causes them to have some kind of a appreciation for him, to esteem him. My point is this. It's not just to contrast how the issue is forced with those who are in the tribulation versus those who are in Egypt at the time of Moses. My point is the power of God. You can carry that same power of God, the, th- the thought, the principle of it, the, the truth of it, the theology of it, into the battles of, that Israel would have. God would say to David, for example, I've given them into your hand. You're gonna win the battle. When you study certain of the battles, you will see that God causes the hearts of the people to melt. They just don't have the juice to fight anymore. They're scared. God brings a spirit of dread upon them. So when you you really study this thing out, you can't help but gain a greater and greater appreciation of the great great power of Yahweh. He can do whatever he wants to do. Whenever he wants to do it, however he wants to do it. Who's going to win the election? Whoever God says. Who's going to do this? Who's going to? However, God chooses within His sovereign will to give favor or the lack thereof. That same same power of God is seen active right here. He gives the Egyptians a favorable attitude, a a, a charming attitude. They just really, oh man, you people are great. And then, of course, he raises Moses even higher in their eyes. Uh, that's an interesting thing when you think about the great sovereign power of God. And this whole thing for you and me is a, is a, is a journey that's, that's taking world history to the cross. And then even beyond uh, to finally the kingdom. And those who are in the kingdom. Okay. Verse 4. Moses said, so said Yahweh. At the dividing point of the night. That probably means midnight. At the darkest depths of the night. Midnight. I guess you could translate it that way. I will. is what Yahweh said. I will. There it is again. Go out into the midst of Egypt. Every firstborn in the land of Egypt will, there it is, will die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne to the firstborn of the slave woman who is behind the millstones and every firstborn animal. Okay. We have observed, I hope, how in the first plagues there was a there was a there was some sort of Egyptian deity. Representative in that, Uh, and we saw that. We even saw the 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 inscriptions, the drawings of those gods and goddesses—weird, weird-looking things. And God has broken the power of every one of them. Now, the great, the great god Ra, god of the sun, god of life, Ra Amziz Ra, the, the great god's name, because he's seen as God. If their great god, Pharaoh, cannot protect their people, for example, where God is selective, He says the firstborn is going to die. He doesn't say the thirdborn or the youngest. The firstborn is going to die. Now this is and from from animals all the way up to Pharaoh and all the people in between. Firstborn going to die in the land of Egypt. Every firstborn, they're going to die. If Pharaoh can't protect his people from a God who in his sovereign power says, I am going to destroy every firstborn of everybody in Egypt, including their animals. Doesn't matter what you say or do. I will do it. Every firstborn in the land of Egypt will Die from the household of Pharaoh. Okay, so this is the last deity of Egypt. There's nothing left. If their great leader can't protect them from something they can't see and they can't fight, all he has to do is say, I will do this, and then it happens. Then, then, then he's no God at all, Pharaoh. He's no God at all. He's nothing. He's impotent. He's powerless. Well, this is the statement. This is what Yahweh has said through Moses. Here's that will again. And there will be a great cry throughout the entire land of Egypt, such as there never has been and such as there will never be again. Nothing has ever happened like that and it won't because God said it won't. Where, where the firstborn of every household dies, firstborn of every livestock, every animal dies, uh, God said it's a God thing. Only God can say that. This, this selective destruction, if you will, selective destruction as punishment and this, this, of course, God knows he won't have to shoot any more bullets after this one. There's, there's no other, the only thing left then is just to just wipe out the rest of the people, wipe out the land. Uh, they've already been greatly uh, affected by everything that's gone on in the first nine plagues. Look at verse seven. But to all the children of Israel, Not one dog will whet its tongue against either man or beast. God says, you don't even have to worry about a snarling dog. You won't even get bit by a dog. There probably were a lot of curs in the streets of Egypt, mean dogs all around. You don't have to worry about a dog. No Israelite will even suffer a dog bite. It's telling you, Not even their animals. Their animals won't be harmed. In order that you shall know, here is a great theological point, that Yahweh does make a difference between His people and everybody else. You know, that doesn't fly well today in the world. People don't like that. They, they you know. Uh, but... There is no, there is no greater what arbiter I don't know of, of uh, of separation and distinction than Yahweh. You're either His or you're not His. So here's the great point: we know, we know how the story ends. The Israelites, they're Passover and they're behind the doorpost, and the the angel passes over them, but all the other people are killed. Their firstborn killed. So, there is no greater, up to this point in history, there's no greater affirmation of the distinction that God God makes between His people and everybody else than what happened in the land of Egypt. God has one choice people in this episode, in the world, at this episode, at this moment. I'm not saying that in the other parts of the world there weren't other people of God. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But I do know this. Israel carries the promise of the Christ and in this episode they're God's people. Now you know there were people among that group. Some were better than others. Some were rascals but God said they're mine. I'm going to look after them and The worst of the Israelites is going to have the same protection as the best of the Israelites. And he's going to be better off than the best of the Egyptians, which Pharaoh, I guess. God makes the distinction. He separates his people from everybody else. Verse 8. Now, this is still Moses talking to Pharaoh. Pharaoh. And all these servants of yours will come down to me. So they're going to they're come to Yahweh and, and to, to Yahweh's people and to Yahweh's representative, Moses. They're going to prostrate themselves to me and they're going to say, get out of here. You and all the people who are at your feet, take them all, don't leave a one. We don't want Yahweh to come back for anybody. And afterwards, I will go out. Then he, that is Moses, exited from Pharaoh with burning anger. Okay. Moses to Pharaoh. One more thing. Firstborn going to die from your household all the way to the animals. Firstborn going to die in Egypt. Not in Israel, but in Egypt. You can seek any dog you want on us. He's not going to bite us. You can do whatever you want to do. They're not going to hurt us. Yahweh protects us. And this death is going to fall into every household except the Israelites, the, 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 people, the people of God, because God makes it done. Can you think of how this would have flown in the face of Pharaoh, who's so filled with pride? Egypt is the great thing and all. Because God makes a difference between us and you. And God has chosen us and not you. And you think you have great power, but you're gonna be powerless in this whole thing. So, you're gonna be so powerless, nothing that you have, not even your dog, can bite us. But more than that, they're going to come and beg us to leave. They're gonna fall down and beg us to leave, and we're going to see not just that. Take everything I have, just get out of here. Take the gold. Take whatever you want. Get out of here. And he exited from there, from Pharaoh, burning anger. Verse 9. You always said to Moses, Pharaoh is not going to heed you. He's going to, in other words, he's going to make me kill the firstborn. You'd think, you know, you'd think nine for nine here. You might ought to listen to this guy, especially when he got to the point that his his magicians couldn't do anything. And even his magicians said, his God is God. You need to do what he says. And he wouldn't do it. God says, Pharaoh is not going to heed you. And here's why. In order to multiply my miracles in the land of Egypt. This is going to be something so unforgettable that, you know, Jews still of course celebrate Passover today. Passover to them is as important to them as the crucifixion is to us. This was the blood that saved them you know to you, you and I know that it was representative and it was a great it was a great illustration of what culminated on the cross. but to this time nothing like that I mean, For God to call his shot, for God to say, okay, firstborn's going to die from Pharaoh's household all the way to the animals, everywhere in Egypt, but not in Israel, not even a dog's going to bite them. They're not going to get hurt in any way. When this happens, your people are going to beg us to leave and you're not going to heed what I say until after you lose your firstborn. So, you know, the, naturally, there would be anger there. But here's why. Pharaoh's going to do this. And God sees to it because it says in verse 10, Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart. Because Pharaoh is the last deity that has to be put down. If he can't do it for his people when it comes to this, then he's... he's He can't do anything. He's worthless. There's nothing he can do against the God of Israel. God says, I'm going to harden his heart, Pharaoh's heart, so that the people will unmistakably see. Can you see how God worked this thing? All of the deities have been crushed. Pharaoh's going to be crushed. The people, including Pharaoh, are going to beg the people to leave and the people will realize that the God of Israel is God. Moses and Aaron had performed all these miracles before Pharaoh, but Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel out of his land. It wasn't because he had the power to keep them it was because God had the power to harden his heart. This whole thing is in the hand of God. Everything's in the hand of God. So we won't, we won't get into uh, chapter 12 tonight. That's, that's the great, that's, that's uh, the culmination of all of this. Um, but to look back on, uh, on, on this passage, this chapter, this passage of scripture, De- false, false deities, counterfeit deities are demon inspired. This is the best that hell can do to control the minds of people and to control their, their religious activity and, and to totally keep them in total darkness and blinded from the true and living God unless and until God intervenes with his people does something great um, so so this is this is just it was it was almost it was almost like uh, shooting fish in a barrel to Yahweh this was really simple but it was a great thing in the minds of the people which was the whole purpose of the thing anyway that Israel who for 400 years had not really received any specific kind of great teaching about Yahweh didn't even know his name. They just knew it was God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now it's time for them to learn more about their God, and it's time for God to bring them out as a nation of people. So, uh, God exalts himself greatly in Israel. He also exalts himself greatly in Egypt. Greatest power in the world. They were totally helpless. You know, these, these Israelites, they had no army. Yeah, they didn't have anything. They were poor. Uh, they were slaves. Egypt had everything. Israel had nothing. But it, but it really wasn't that big of a deal to God. He made it work. Okay, we'll stop there. Let's pray. Father, how we marvel at your power, at your sovereign grace at your great ability and purpose. And Lord, we thank you so much that even back then you were working all of this out, that we could be saved today and that we could carry a great gospel message to this world. Lord, bless us and help us in the lives that we lead before you today. Fill us with your spirit. And help us every day that we live to gain a higher and greater appreciation of the greatness of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.